The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here and now, where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God and service of our neighbor for those gathered here at Marsh Chapel for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We invite your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your decisions in self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us come Sunday. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it, grateful for particularly for the gift of faith that handles change. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray together. Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly, and even now, while we are placed among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those that shall endure. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. In the 8th century, before the Common Era, the word of the Lord came through an unexpected voice of a shepherd from the little village of Tekoa. Amos chastised his people and so challenges each and every age, including our own, with a review of their vicissitudes and misdeeds. Shallow religious practice, over-reliance on military might, personal and sexual immorality, and as we hear in a moment later today, a neglect of the poor. Shall we, hearing his voice from many, many centuries ago, bow ourselves as the choir sings the Kyrie for silent, personal, and collective prayers of confession? Let us pray. Pardon and peace, pardon and peace. Grant us thy pardon, grant us thy peace. 
we pray. If we confess our sin, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Amos, chapter 8, verses 4 through 7. Hear this, you that trample the needy, and bring ruin to the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over, so that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath, so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the ephah small and the shekel great, and practice it practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading responsively from Psalm 113 with the Antiphon. servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time on and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. Praise the Lord. Please rise for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am dismissed as manager, 
people may welcome me into their homes. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He answered, a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 50. Then he asked another, and how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. Before us this morning stands Jesus Christ, robed in mystery and announced in this strange parable. There is no easy interpretation of Luke 16, 1 through 8. Why is the hero of this story commended for a breach of the ninth commandment? We cannot say. Why is his master happy to be so cheated? We do not know. Why is this account given as a preparation for the eternal realms? We cannot say. Why has Luke appended four otherwise unrelated proverbs to this story? We just don't know. If we in the church are teaching one another daily that we are to manage wealth toward justice, just what does this parable of the crafty steward have for us? We shall need to listen carefully to the voices, the chorus of gospel voices, soprano, alto, tenor, bass. Are we to hear the good news? For first, we can hear, if ever so lightly, the ethereal voice of Jesus of Nazareth as the anthem ended. You could hear just a touch of such a soprano voice. Jesus, who is of a different sort. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, he might have said. Jesus, l'étranger, the stranger, as Edmund Steinle so well named him. He who expands spaces that we would constrict, who takes on lifestyles that we would reject, who notices people who we would forget, who celebrates vocations that have yet to be offered in society, who looks with us and looms before us as a mysterious presence, strange among us, if nothing else, in its soprano voice, this parable reminds us of such strangeness, which can be found in Bible and church and heart, as James Smart said so long ago, the strange world of the scripture. And as we know from our various experiences, the different world of the church. And as you, if you are a dreamer, and you are, will recognize in your own personal challenges and psyche, the strange presence of Christ, robed and announced now in this parable this morning. A cloud of smoke by day, a pillar of fire by night, in the journey of faith. Luke is teaching us chapters 9 to 18 about journey. He may well have in mind another journey of the people of faith thrown into slavery in Egypt and then by Moses guided out through a Red Sea and across 40 years of wilderness and taking the tablets of stone and the Ten Commandments and then leaving them on Mount Nebo with Joshua who went in and conquered the promised land. This is your story and there they hunted and farmed and built 
and after a while selected kings, Saul and David and Solomon, but they forgot the covenant love of the divine. And so Amos speaks up and after him, Isaiah and after him, Jeremiah challenging the people to return. Until 587 BC, that most important date in the history of Israel, when the city is burned and the temple destroyed and the population slaughtered and those who remained and had value in artisan and literature and other were taken in chains to Babylon to substitute slavery east now for slavery west earlier, Babylon for Egypt. Is that the journey Luke has in mind, you know? Remember how Luke tells his tale? He begins with Mary and the Magnificat honoring the poor. And then straightway there is John the Baptist preaching in the tradition of the prophets heard in the voice of Amos today. And then there is Jesus in the Sermon on the Plain, not the Sermon on the Mount with Matthew, blessed are the poor in spirit, but Luke putting it right down where the hogs can eat it. Blessed are the poor. And then the rest of the parables we might mention in just a few weeks, the parable of the rich fool. Tonight your soul is required of you, or today's strange offering, or need I mention Lazarus, and Dives. We hear just that ethereal sound of the soprano voice of Jesus of Nazareth, robed in mystery. We might listen for the alto voice. The altos are the most important part of the choir. The contralto line in the, Hebrew, in the synoptic gospels is the most important. We're not playing any favorites, but this is underneath the text between Jesus and the community that struggle in the primitive church to wait and understand. We might hear this parable best in the alto voice. Oh, I know we want to hurry on to the tenor with Luke. That's what he does to give some wisdom, proverbial, reasonable understanding of the passage. But probably this parable, rabbinic, had its origin in that tense awaiting period of the earliest church familiar with apocalyptic judgment. We perhaps shouldn't hear it so quickly against the background of wise as serpents, innocent as doves. We should better perhaps hear it with the adverb quick. I quibble only at one point with the NRSV translation. The, verb, the adverb quickly fits best with the action, not with the seating. Do this quickly. The hour is coming and now is quickly. There are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the, the Son of Man coming in power. Quickly, the Lord himself will descend with a cry of command, the archangel's call, the sound of the trumpet of God. Quickly, a sower went out to sow, and some seed fell and gave fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. You remember this parable on that one or two days of your life when you have to make a hard, quick decision in 24 hours to turn your life 180 degrees. You put this parable in your wallet for the days when your 
wallet is empty. There is a tide in the affairs of men which taken at the flood leads on to fortune. Omitted all the voyage of their life is bound in shallows and miseries. Be ready. Be on the qui vive. Be prepared for that moment when a swift, hard decision is to be made. And then you will know the gospel of Luke 16, that faith handles change. Have you made a quick move and a change from one city to another, one room to another, one roommate to another, one job to another? Then you have received the gift of faith. That's what we mean. Faith is the power to manage change. Faith is the courage to handle change. And as you have endured change, notice good news in your hands. You hold the gift of faith. Oh, yes, we'll give the tenor voice his due. Of course, this is the way that Luke, the writer, the tenor voice of the gospel record, will accord the meaning of the parable. He will read it in a more modest and in a more moderate way, and it is our gospel, so we honor his reading. That is, in no case is dishonesty to be honored, no, but shrewdness, cleverness, craftiness, prudence, these are to be honored. So yes, be you wise as serpents, and yes, be you innocent as doves, and yes, find a way to honor God and not mammon and to be faithful in the small things so that you might become faithful in the large. And the Proverbs continue, one man sharpens another like iron sharpens iron. Be penny wise and not pound foolish. A penny saved is a penny earned. Some of these aren't in the Bible, but I see that you know them. Here they are. It's a, a reasonable reading of the scripture. There is an importance to swiftness in response, but there is also an importance to a careful, prudent, even shrewd response. So the children of darkness are ahead of the children of light, says the gospel, and we, we all have something to learn from such a crafty person. Even more, says Luke, if you have been so assiduous as you have been in the care of house and job and possession and role, how much more now will you want to be equally assiduous in the treatment of the things that last? None of these lasts in the treatment of the things of the heart, of the soul, of spirit, of friendship, of partnership, of life abundant, heavenly lasting life. Keep that cleverness alive. 
Oh, it is not just a soprano or alto or tenor voice that makes a choir. There's a place, thank goodness, for a baritone voice every now and then. And the ongoing rendering of this in each passage in the Synoptic Gospels is the church's tradition of teaching. Some of us celebrated on Tuesday the ordination of two new Roman Catholic bishops in Boston's Rocks very Holy Cross Cathedral. If nothing else, those hours reminded us of the depth and breadth, not always trouble-free, not always problem-free, not always sin-free, but the depth and breadth of the church's experience in faith handling change. Sunday evening is a blessed time for all it's a particularly happy time for the minister. The services have been conducted, the visits have been completed, the evening program has been concluded, and then one returns to sit as dinner is about to appear. Ooh, savor the forethought. As dinner is about to be ready, how happy I was two Sundays ago to open the newspaper and there in the Times book review on the front page to see a typical terrier tale, a basso profundo continuing interpretation of faith handling change. About a year ago, I sat at dinner with one of our colleagues at Boston University, Isabel Wilkerson, and she was telling me about a book she was finishing titled The Warmth of Other Sons, a line from Richard Wright. And there it was on the front page of the review, a masterful account of three generations of African Americans, 1900 to 1950, seeing faith handle change, coming from the south to the north, along three train lines, one on the eastern seaboard to Boston and Massachusetts, one along the Mississippi River to Chicago, one across the Lone Star State to Southern California. Three generations, three train lines, three exemplars, as she wrote, they did what people for millennia have done when they are looking for freedom. They left. Ah, oh, that basso profundo, a typical terrier tale, a university committed to teaching those at the dawn of life, the twilight of life, and the shadows of life, the least, the last, the lost, the immigrant, the worker, the poor, the person of color, female, those otherwise oriented, those otherwise bodied and embodied. There it was. This is your story, too. Faith handles change. The dinner invitation was coming. I very nearly missed the last page of that same book review. Thank goodness I paused. And there on the last page, not the first, was yet another Boston University voice, that of our teacher at the university and your teacher here at Marsh Chapel, Professor Andrew Basevich. We studied his book, The Limits of Power, last year, and now he has produced Washington Rules in an Amos-like, hopeful 
voice. Basevich criticizes our inability to see our place in the world, criticizes our inability to limit our uses of power, and as the reviewer send, says, continues a tradition so important to all of us, speaking of a terrier tale. From George Washington to John Quincy Adams to J. William Fulbright to Martin Luther King, he concluded the review writing, how lucky we are as a country to have such a fierce, smart peacemonger in our midst. As a country, as a region, as a city, as a university, and as a community. Maybe you saw to conclude Reverend Duplessis' memory from the Ninth Ward of New Orleans of his Mount Nebo Union Baptist Church that had been ruined five Labor Days ago. Sanctuary and the parsonage both swamped. He's rebuilt the parsonage and has gathered a couple of dozen people Sunday mornings to sing hymns, to read and teach from the book of Joshua, to dedicate children, and to remember that five years ago, in a strange way, that sanctuary was doubly a sanctuary so. That is, 20 feet of water covered that region, but the steeple was 25 feet tall. And so boats, of course we love the image, were lashed to the steeple, moored to the steeple. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. It remains for us to recall Oliver Wendell Holmes as he left a service in Boston saying, I used after the sermon those five most important words. I applied it to myself. Shall we apply the gospel that faith handles change to the mysterious presence of Christ, to the sudden need to make quick choices, to the prudence that befits a life of faith and to the ongoing freedom in migration, some migration physical, some migration spiritual, some migration personal, some migration mental. Are we ready to apply the gospel? Faith handles change to ourselves. Amen. As we come together for prayer this morning, our prayers of the people come from the Presbyterian tradition. I now invite you to stand, sit, kneel, or come to the altar rail if it is your tradition to do so as we join the choir in singing our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord.
Almighty God, who taught us to pray not only for ourselves, but for people everywhere, hear us as we pray for others in the name of Jesus Christ. Inspire the whole church with your power, unity, and peace. Grant that all who trust you may obey your word and live together in love. Lead all nations in the way of justice and goodwill. Direct those who govern that they may rule fairly, maintain order, uphold those in need, and defend oppressed people. That this world may claim your rule and know true peace. Awaken all people to the danger we have inflicted upon the earth. Implant in each a reverence for all you have made, that we may preserve the delicate balance of creation for all coming generations. Give grace to all who proclaim the gospel through word and sacrament and deeds of mercy, that by their teaching and example they may reveal your love for all people. Comfort and relieve, O Lord, all who are in trouble, sorrow, poverty, sickness, grief, especially those known to us whom we name before you in silence. Heal them in body, mind, or circumstance, working in them by your grace, wonders beyond all they may dream or hope. Bring to our remembrance all those who, having served you on earth, now sing your praises eternally. May their endurance give us courage and their faithfulness give us hope. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. And now let us pray together in the words Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. Hello, my name is Elizabeth Fomby Hall. I am the Director of Hospitality here at Marsh Chapel. I want to welcome all of you who have joined us here in the nave of Marsh Chapel today. And I also want to give a big welcome to those who might be listening on the radio on WBUR 90.9 FM or later on the podcast. First, I'd like to direct your attention to the red books, which can be found at the end of each pew towards the center aisle. If you would just mind taking a moment to fill those out so that we at Marsh Chapel can get to know you better, and also so that you can get to know the names of the folks who are sitting by you. We'd really appreciate that. On Saturday, September 25th, the Marsh Chapel community will be going for a day of apple and pumpkin picking. The group will be leaving here from Marsh Chapel at around 10 a.m. and come back somewhere around 3 p.m. If you're interested in participating and taking part um, in the transportation that's being provided by the chapel, please RSVP to the servant team. They can be contacted at servants at bu.edu. Next Sunday, uh, next Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m., Alice de Koning and Uria Koskinen will be opening their home to an afternoon of refreshments and hymn singing. So if you're interested in that, please look to the bulletin for more details. And here we have Scott Allen Jarrett, our director of music, to tell us a little bit more about the things going on in the music department. I have three announcements for you this morning. Last week, uh, in your bulletin, you found an insert which detailed all of the musical activities for Music at Marsh Chapel over the course of this season, fall 2010 and winter-spring 2011. There's about one or two musical activities per month, so there's always something for you to do. Put it on your refrigerator. Remind yourself of when you can enjoy the diversity of talent here at Music at Marsh Chapel. Secondly, next Sunday, we make special invitation for you to attend the first ever Bach Experience. And this is especially for radio listeners, but this, because this will not be on the broadcast. But from 9.45 to 10.15, come early here to the nave. The choir and the collegium and I will have a 30-minute survey of next week's cantata. Just explain a little bit about the music, a little bit about the theology, so that when you hear it in its liturgical context in the service for the broadcast, you'll have a little more information about what to expect from this marvelous composer and this unbelievable piece, Cantata 34. Finally, we welcome to our nave longtime member of Music at Marsh Chapel, tenor Stephen Reed, who will lead us in this morning's offertory anthem, Ain't Got Time to Die. Listen for Stephen in a moment. Thank you, Scott. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God. Lord, I keep so busy praying to my Jesus. Keep so busy praising my Jesus. Keep so busy praising my Jesus. Ain't got time to die. Cause when I'm healing the sick, I praise my Jesus. When I'm Oh, oh, oh. 
Gracious God, as you love us, we also love one another. We offer these gifts of money and the service of our lives. May they be used to sow the seeds of your kingdom values of love, justice, and peace. Amen. Should the music, word, or liturgy have warmed your heart in a particular way this morning, you may want to mark this day as a day when salt and light entered and made a home in your soul and spirit. And from this day forward, you will walk in newness of life. A word of benediction. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you,
The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen.